Good morning. Our passage this morning is Luke uh, from is from Luke chapter eight, beginning with verse four. We've got it up on the screen, so please uh, follow along with me as I read it. When a large crowd was coming together, and those from the various cities were journeying to him, he spoke by way of a parable. This is Jesus speaking, of course. The sower went out to sow his seed. And as he sowed, some fell beside the road, and it was trampled underfoot, and the birds of the air ate it up. Other seed fell on rocky soil, and as soon as it grew up, it withered away because it had no moisture. Other seed fell among the thorns, and the thorns grew up with it and choked it out. Other seed fell into the good soil and grew up and produced a crop a hundred times as great. As he said these things, he, he would call out, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. His disciples began questioning him as to what this parable meant. And he said, To you it has been granted to know the mysteries of the kingdom of God, but to the rest it is in parables, so that seeing they may not see, and hearing they may not understand. Now the parable is this, The seed is the word of God. Those beside the road are those who have heard, then the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts so that they will not believe and be saved. Those on the rocky soil are those who, when they hear, receive the word with joy, and these have no firm root. They believe for a while, and in time of temptation, fall away. The seed which fell among the thorns, these are the ones who have heard, and as they go on their way, they are choked with worries and riches and pleasures of this life, and bring no fruit to maturity. But the seed in the good soil, these are the ones who have heard the word in an honest and good heart, and hold it fast, and bear fruit with perseverance. Let's pray. Father in heaven, I pray that you would please come to us now, bring your word to us, and may it indeed be firmly planted in our hearts. Please give us soft hearts, give me strength as I preach. Be with us, we pray, in Christ's name. Amen. America was once a Christian nation, and I I think we now live in a post-Christian culture. As our culture moves further and further away from Christianity, a traditional church service becomes more and more of an exotic thing the average, uh, to the average American. And it, th- this is already true, I think. Um, the singing, the liturgy, the sacraments, all of these things would be strange to someone who's never set foot in a church before, and many in our country uh, fall in that category. Few of our Sunday morning traditions are quite as strange, though, as the sermon. Now, why do we have a sermon every week? There are a number of things about a sermon that are very strange. There's no music, right? We have music in the service, but during the sermon, there's just the guy talking. There's no movie. Um, it's just one man speaking to a group of people. Now, 
in a sermon, there's an opportunity to, for some, to some degree for a little feedback, um, and that's happened here at this church even. But it's limited and it's clear in a sermon that not everybody is on the same level, right? This isn't a conversation. Um, there's a man standing up front, me in this case, and everyone else is sitting and just simply listening. Um, it's, a, it's a form of communication that seems very foreign to us. We, we live in a day of Facebook and Twitter. We're used to conversations, being able to provide feedback. You know, if, if someone has a blog and they simply close comment, they put up a post and don't even allow comments, we think that that's kind of high-handed, you know? Like, why would you post a blog post without even giving me the ability to say something, what I think about the, the topic? So why do we continue to preach sermons today? Well, there are a number of reasons, of course, and, and not least of which is that we're commanded to do so in Scripture. But what I want to highlight in particular this morning is that preaching is unique in its ability to bring the Word of God front and center. There is nothing to distract the audience from the word, words that the preacher is saying. Now, in our parable today, Jesus explains that the seed is the Word of God. And so who is the sower? Well, obviously, Jesus is the sower, right? He spent his life sowing the good seed of the Word of God. He is indeed the good shepherd, but he's also the good farmer. The apostles after him preached the Word in season and out of season, so clearly they, they are sowers in this parable. But then there's me, right? There's pastors and elders down through the ages who've preached the word, and indeed, sowing the seed of the word of God is the entire point of a sermon. The entire point is to get the word of God into you. That's why you're here. Jody asked, what in the world are we doing here? Well, that's one of the reasons we're here. That's one of the reasons you're here, hopefully. So if you get it fixed in your mind that the point of a sermon is to obey this parable by sowing the word of God, then the strangeness of the custom uh, will begin to make sense. Why do we reject movies and music and drama when it's time for a sermon? Because the word of God is what needs to be sown and not the musical of God. Now, the word of God is compared to a seed in this parable. What is the relationship between a seed and, and some fruit? I, I brought with me some props on a sermon about the word. Um, here's an apple, right? You can all see that. Normal apple. And in preparation for this sermon, I ate one of these yesterday. And I brought a seed with me. Most of you probably can't even see that. Maybe not even people in the front row can see that. So you've got the fruit and you've got the seed. Now... What resemblance do they have? Almost nothing, right? It's like, um, if, if you didn't know from experience that you're going to get this from this, you would no, you have no way to guess it, right? It's just, they look completely different. Now, it, it is possible that our, and I said this earlier in the, previous service, it's possible that our resident plant biologist, Colin, might be able to say something about the commonality between the cellular makeup of an apple and its seed. 
but, but to an untrained eye, it's clear that they're very distinct. Now, the word of God is like a seed. And it has been planted for thousands of years in Western culture. We are the beneficiaries of fruit that we don't even recognize as fruit of the word of God. Many of you, like myself, grew up in a Christian home. And you are the beneficiaries of enormous amounts of fruit of the word of God being planted in your parents' lives. Not even your life, your parents' lives. So I'm here this morning to warn this church of a very grave danger. Many women and men have labored and indeed have suffered. And God has blessed their work with very good fruit. We, today, run the risk of enjoying the fruit but missing out on the source of the fruit, which is the word of God. We are tempted to think that we can enjoy the fruit of the word of God without holding fast to the word of God itself. And we are sorely mistaken. You cannot rest on your parents' knowledge of scripture. You cannot rest on the heritage of Western culture that you have received, whether it's music or literature or whatever else. If you think that you'll be able to enjoy the heritage of Christianity for very much longer... Without attending to the seed, you are very blind. And this is a mystery to us because the seed looks nothing like the fruit, right? And we're all fixated on the fruit. We all want the fruit, but we forget that without the seed, you can't have the fruit. It's impossible. So again, I say, um, we have sermons and not communal dances on Sunday mornings, because what matters most is that the seed of the word of God is firmly planted in each of us. And without that, we are without hope in the world. Now, in this parable, Jesus speaks of four different kinds of soil, and the success of the seed that is planted depends on the quality of the soil. It's true that that the word of God is powerful and never returns void, and indeed, um, you know, this... Oh, I'm not going to try to find it. <laughs> One seed could be planted on this stage, right? And it's not going to bear any good fruit. Another seed could be tossed out in, in the field there and could actually grow to be an apple tree. Um, but the quality of the seeds were the same, right? So it is with the Word of God. Um, the Word of God goes out and... We must remember that the word of God, the gospel of Jesus Christ, is an aroma of death to the perishing, and it is life to those who are being saved. The gospel of Jesus Christ always causes division, and the division is always between those who are perishing and those who are being saved. Now, we see this immediately in our text this morning because three out of the four types of soil bear no good fruit. They represent people who are perishing. Now, that's a big deal. Three out of four of the examples that that Jesus Christ gives to us are, are representative of people who hear the word. They all hear the word. They all received the seed in a sense, but they didn't benefit from it. Okay, so if you're here this morning and you're thinking to yourself, well, phew, I'm glad I dodged... Uh, 
um, the bullet of needing God's word firmly planted in me. Because here I am, after all, I'm listening to this sermon, I'm taking part, and that means I'm in the clear. If you're thinking that, brothers and sisters, let me be the first to tell you that you're very wrong. There is only one kind of soil that bears fruit, yet all four kinds received the word in some sense. So let's turn to the first kind of soil. The first kind of soil is the highway. And in really, it's not a soil, actually, right? It's distinct from the other three kinds because it was never meant to have seed planted on it in the first place. Who plans to grow a crop on the highway after all? Right? It would be like taking your seed and scattering it on Highway 37. There's no farmer in the state of Indiana that's, that thinks who would, or, or who would expect to yield a crop by planting seed on Highway 37. So what kind of a heart is like Highway 37? It's the heart of one who hears the word only. The word of God has no effect upon your heart. It's as hard and as unforgiving as Highway 37. Now, there are professors on the campus of Indiana University who make it their entire life's business to teach about the Bible. And yet, so they know a lot about it, and yet it has never penetrated their heart. They're senseless to it. The seed that falls on the ground is trampled underfoot. They indeed, they trample the word of God. It's accounted as nothing, as something interesting to be talked about, and that's all. It's in one ear and out the other. Now, Jesus explains that if you're in this group, the the devil actually comes and snatches the word of God away from your heart. And the most pitiable thing about your situation, if you're in this group, and I know that there are some here today that are in this group, the most pitiable thing about this situation is that you don't even care. You don't even care that the devil snatches away the seed of the word of God from your heart. You don't care because you're hard and your, your heart is not prepared to receive the word of God. A hard heart is one that does not need anything from God. And so though you might attend a church service, you don't come expecting anything. The truth is that the ground of our hearts must be plowed up in preparation to receive the word of God. And this is work that you've never considered doing. So if you're here today and you're within this group and you're, and, and you're listening and you, and you recognize that your heart is hard, have a care for your soul. This is the day of mercy. Today, as you hear the word of God preached, today is not the day of judgment. Or perhaps it will be. I don't know that, I suppose. But right now is the time of mercy. Cry out to God to soften your heart that the word, his word might be firmly planted in you. Now, as we turn our attention to the other two types of soil, I want to say that I'm particularly concerned um, that we guard ourselves against being these next two types of soil here at Clearnote Church. After speaking about the highway, Jesus then speaks about the rocky soil where plants withered away just as quickly as they grew up. This represents those who hear the word with joy, but who fall away during a time of temptation because they had no firm root. And boy, do pastors know about this group. This is the group that is the most assured of their salvation. 
They, they said a prayer, they walked down the aisle, and they got baptized, so they're covered. And they're very greatly offended when anyone suggests that their heart might be made of rocky soil. But, as they say, easy come, easy go. Pastors know this group well because it's the group that's the most enthusiastic about a pastor when he first shows up on the job. And they're also the most enthusiastic about bringing grievances and complaints against the pastor and against the elders. They're the first to find fault, they're the first to quarrel, and the first to quit when things get difficult. Are you quarrelsome? Do you find fault easily? Do you quit when temptation is difficult and it's hard to resist the sin that so easily entangles? Be careful, you might be in this group. Now this, is a gr- this group of people prizes ease and comfort. They think that the pastor is there to ensure that they have smooth sailing all the way. And they deeply resent it when someone points out rocks. An earnest man who does soul work may come across stony parts in his soul, it's true. But he does the work of removing them and working to get them out of the way so that the the ground is prepared to receive the soil. Not so the man with the stony heart. He loves his sinful pleasures. He loves the secret sins that are hidden away from, from the eyes of others. He's not interested in doing the work of preparing his heart to hear the word of God, to read it. You might be in this group if, you th- if, you th- if you're tempted to think that the pressure of the Christian life is just too much to handle. Now, the truth is that we don't actually believe this category exists today in, in these United States. After all, we've been trained for many generations now to believe that once you've made the bare profession of faith, you're saved. If you had an emotional high during a church service or a concert or vacation Bible school um, and you've gone up to make a profession, that's all that's necessary. Now, and of course, we, we, we've been told, we, we've got in our mind this idea, once saved, always saved, and it's deeply rooted. We can't bring ourselves to believe that there might be people who show what appears to be genuine faith, but the, who then fall away. Now, of course, I believe that all that's needed is to come and to call on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. I believe that in John 6.37, that all that the Father gives me will come to me, and the one who comes to me I will certainly not cast out. Those who are saved will remain saved, will be saved, Right? are being saved. But it's also true that only those who persevere to the end will be saved. The prize does not go to the one who begins the race. It goes to the one who finishes the race. The saints will, according to the power of God working in them, persevere to the end. Romans 15.4 says, For whatever was written in earlier times was written for our instruction, so that through perseverance and the encouragement of the scriptures, we might have hope. Now, the thorny soil 
is what's up next. And again, I want to, we need to mark very carefully that we are still only talking about those who fall short of saving faith. Okay? Even though these same people profess faith in Jesus Christ. Jesus teaches that a man whose faith is choked by worries and riches and pleasures of this life is like seed which falls among the thorns and is choked. Though it may try at times to live, it cannot and it, it cannot ultimately bear any good fruit because it's starved for food and it withers and fades away. Now, this past week, my brother-in-law, Joseph, exhorted me to be in the Word. And at the elders' meeting recently, Tim Wegner asked a, a Bible question uh, that I knew only got partially right. I knew part of the answer, but not all of it. He's always doing that. It's very frustrating. <laughs> but very good. Now, we all have our reasons to be distracted by the cares of this world. And in fact... Some of those reasons are, are simply lies that we tell ourselves, right? They're just lies. But the truth is that some of them aren't lies, right? Our to-do list really was long. Our boss gave us a lot of things to do. Our children really were up all night. Our business really is on the rocks. And we really do love watching those movies. But brothers and sisters, remember how I started this sermon. Without the word of God deeply planted in our hearts, we have nothing. Jesus teaches that man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. What is this life? It is but a moment. It's a breath. It's, a, it's like a mist in the morning that, that vanishes when the sun comes up. What does it profit a man to gain the whole world and lose his soul? Tim Wegner, this past, uh, like I said, um, this past elders meeting, he read from Psalm 90. And I'll just read a couple verses from it. As for the days of our life, they contain 70 years, or, if due to strength, 80 years. Yet their pride is but labor and sorrow. For soon it is gone and we fly away. Who understands the power of your anger and your fury according to the fear that is due you? So teach us to number our days that we may present to you a heart of wisdom. Those of, you, those of us who are young must remember that life is fleeting. You cannot give yourself selfishly to the things of to the pleasures of this life and expect to persevere to the end. You may deceive yourself into thinking so, but those who are older, who have persevered to some degree, can spot you from a mile away. You won't last. You will not last. But those of you who are older must also remember that God has no retirement plans. Right? There's no retirement package waiting for you, aside from heaven. No retirement package in this life. You too, you may have been faithful for many years, but you too 
must remember to number your days. Though you are growing weary and though your body's strength is failing, don't give up the fight now. Persevere to the end. Now finally, we come to the good soil. And there's one thing and only one thing that separates, that distinguishes the good soil from the rest, and that is fruit. In John 15, 8, Jesus, speaking to his disciples, says, My Father is glorified by this, that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. Jesus doesn't actually talk about the characteristics of the soil itself other than to say that it's good and that it bears fruit. And indeed, a good field may have thorns in it and may have rocks in it, but a faithful man will tend to the soil of his heart and remove the rocks and pull up weeds, just like a faithful farmer will go out to the field and prepare it for the seed. And indeed, the same sun that scorches the crop on the rocky soil is what, and kills it is what gives life and nourishment to the soil that is firmly planted. The temptations and the sorrows and the suffering that Christians who have the word of God deeply planted in their lives go through is precisely what confirms their faith and strengthens it. For those who have the word of God shallow in their hearts, it'll kill. These, these same temptations and trials will kill their faith. Now, they say that a thief thinks that everyone steals, right? And I told you that Joseph and Tim Wegner both had to exhorted, exhorted me this past week, and Tim didn't know he was doing it, and Joseph did know he was doing it, and he did it for good reason, right? I need to be about the Word of God. But, like I said, a thief thinks everyone steals. I'm convinced that you, too, need to, to hear the exhortation that without the Word of God... We have nothing. We have in this church many, many good fruits. I know that many of you love this church and many of you love its fruits. And I can tell you that I love this church very, very much. I moved here in 2002, the fall. And at the time we were meeting at Winslow Road that's uh, on the other side of town. And I remember vividly in my mind the Thanksgiving Eve service that first fall that I was here. It's customary at our Thanksgiving Eve service to have a time for people to come up and speak into the microphone and just talk about the things that they're thankful for, that they give thanks to God for. And I remember sitting there and I had fully intended to go up and speak in the microphone, Um, but I'd never made it. Instead, I sat the whole time just weeping in my seat because I was so thankful, overwhelmed with thankfulness for the goodness of God to me at that time. I had intended to get up and say something, but I I couldn't do it. I was then and have been ever since the beneficiary of a great deal of fruit in the lives of the men and women of this church, not to mention the lives of my, my parents. But don't you see, it's no good if I glory in the fruit of others. It's no good if you simply enjoy the fruit of others here at this church. It will, all of our fellowship, all of our programs and whatnot will be of no use to you if you do not hold fast to the word of God. Who is it that bears fruit with perseverance? Only those who hold fast to the word of God. Otherwise, when the day of adversity comes, I 
and you will fall away like so many others who have gone before us. Now, I was asked in the first, after the first service, so what does it actually look like to hold fast to the word of God? And what does it mean? Well, <clears throat> the commandment in the Old Testament was for the people to think about the word of God when they sat down, when they lied down, when they stood up, when they walked, for it to always be at the forefront of their minds. <clears throat> and frankly, that's what it means. It means to have the Word of God constantly present and, and at the tip of your tongue, every day thinking about it, meditating on it, living in it, giving it to your children the way that, uh, that you would give water to a man dying of thirst. This is the Word of God to us. We'll die without it. <clears throat> and the other thing I'll say about that, again, is that this is a mystery because, again, the seed is worthless by itself, right? If, if you have a, a seeds, if a, a farmer doesn't just want the seeds, he wants the fruit that comes from the seed. And, of course, I'm not saying that the word of God is worthless. What I'm, what I'm trying to say is that we're, we're tricked into thinking that the seed, of, the seed of the word of God isn't what we want but we want the fruit. And indeed, it takes a year or months for someone who hasn't planted the seed. If a farmer doesn't plant the seed, he can go for some time on last year's provision based on just eating the fruit, right? This is uh, the, the story of the, uh, the uh, ant and the grasshopper, right? The grasshopper can spend all summer just lazing around, but when, he, when winter comes, he's going to die. Because he doesn't have any food. And the same goes for us. We can live. You might be able to live at this church just feeding on the fruit of others. But one day you will die. Alright? If you do not have the seed of the word of God firmly planted in you. <clears throat> and so, obviously, the word, uh, we must be about the word of God. But another way that we see the, the, what does it look like to have the word of God firmly planted in you, it, it looks like bearing fruit, okay? So, let me put it this way. I, I, I can sum up this sermon in one sentence, and it's this. Only those who hear the word in an honest and good heart hold it fast and bear fruit with perseverance. I'm sorry, let me read that again. Only those who hear the word in an honest and good heart hold it fast, and bear fruit with perseverance, will be saved. Okay? Now, <clears throat> you might be tempted to think that, uh, to, after hearing my, my this statement, that I've simply fallen into preaching works righteousness. And some of you might hear uh, and, and hear about the, the honest and good heart and despair. <clears throat> But brothers and sisters, don't despair. Don't think that I'm, I'm preaching to you a, a salvation by works. <clears throat> don't turn away in unbelief and, and despair at this good word. Okay, we trust our hope is in the power of God to save us and not in our righteousness. We are saved by the blood of Christ. But part of faith is trusting, expecting, hoping that the word of God will bear much fruit in our lives. 
And indeed it will, but only in those who persevere to the end. Romans eight twenty three to 25 says this, And not only this, but also we ourselves, having the first fruits of the Spirit. Some of us here, <clears throat> might, you might describe our experience of faith as just being the first fruits. Okay, some of us, and not only this, but also we ourselves, having the first fruits of the Spirit, even we ourselves groan within ourselves, waiting eagerly for our adoption as sons, the redemption of our body. For in hope... We have been saved. But hope that is seen is not hope. For who hopes for what he already sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, with perseverance, we wait eagerly for it. When a farmer plants the seed, he doesn't see the, 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 the fruit immediately. He hopes eagerly for it. He waits eagerly for it. <clears throat> so, brothers and sisters, plant the seed of the word of God firmly in your own hearts. Prepare your hearts to receive it. <clears throat> and it will bear good fruit. But for the, for the rest, for those who ignore it completely, who harden their hearts against the word, who <clears throat> only have it planted shallow in shallow rocks, it will be no hope to them because it will bear no fruit in the end. So take heed. Have the word of God firmly planted in your heart. Let's pray. Father in heaven, I thank you for your word. You have bent low to us. You've given us explanations and doctrine in uh, many different ways. You've given us all kinds of examples and metaphors to understand it better. You've given us to us in a language. You've had men translate the the word of God into languages that we can understand. Father, you've given us so much. I pray that we would not be hard and unbelieving, but that we would avail ourselves of these opportunities, that we would give ourselves to the word, trusting that you will do the work of causing growth. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.